Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 24 of The Enemy of My Enemy. I do hope you've been enjoying this little retelling of the uh, second AVP fan fiction that I wrote all those years ago. And I do hope that, you know, you can leave me some feedback and some comments just to say that if you're really enjoying it, if you're hearing it for a second time, you know, after reading it, or how much you're enjoying it if you're just hearing it for the first time, if you're a newcomer to the series and have never actually read it. Just, you know... Leave the comments at either fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. While you're at ghostnobody.com, you can even actually read the Redux version of The Enemy of My Enemy. I updated it and uh, worked my way through edit- editing it a bit. I changed some things about here and there, but it was mainly just grammar updates, language changes, that sort of thing, to kind of bring it up to standard with my more in-tune level of writing these days. So it's a much more polished version of it. I mean, I'm going to say this perfect, not by a long measure of it, because let's say, who is perfect? You can point them out to me, I'll point you out to a liar. So, yeah, but it's as good as I'm going to get it for the time being. So, if you fancy rereading it and just, you know, reliving the tale in a much more polished environment, check it out. I think one day I'm probably going to let them all become ebooks at some point, just so that they can be, you know, downloaded and read at anybody's leisure, even though they're fan fictions, just makes it easier. But that's something for the future. And also, while you're at uh, ghostnobody.com, if you go to the uh, ghostly links section, you can find your way to Mortis on Smashwords. Pick yourself up a copy of my novel. And that way you can get to enjoy the tale of a lonely alien crash on the planet, filled with zombies and death, and the tale of a, you know, a one-legged human sniper who's grumpy as shit, who stumbles across that alien, and the wild ride of a tale where they have together in an adventure trying to get her home back to her people check it out i think you'll like it and you know helps to support me and keeps me doing what i love doing which is bringing these unique alien romance stories to you good people so come along give us give us a hand let's get on with the show now shall we oh but first the usual legal disclaimer i don't own avp or anything to do with it that's all their own you know all their own networks and studios and all that lot. I just own all the sexy queens. They're all mine. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 24. Special Delivery. I feel like an evil ice cream man, Picasso called down to Zarchi as she drove. They weren't headed to the hospital that she'd been held up at, but onto another one at the other side of the city that she'd been working in conjunction with. There'd been a much higher military presence there after the outbreak to try and protect the large biology unit. In fact, they were supposed to have been transferred there herself. But shit happens, right? I thought all ice cream men were actually evil. She called back up as she weaved around the abandoned vehicles. They'd managed to lose the majority of the pursuers already. They'd drawn quite a crowd too. And had probably started quite a mass movement across the city in their wake. Good point. Mind you, I do think you'd probably look rather cute in a little pink and white outfit, handing out ice creams from a little hatch in the side of the van dock. You know the type. The ones that always have a coffee maker in them, in the back. That if you pretend to be short enough, you can make the pretty scalical girl bend down to serve you. And you can use the coffee machine like a mirror to get a glimpse of her cute tail. Picasso called down, making Zarchi flush. She knew he was only teasing, and being playful. She'd learned that Picasso had quite a dirty sense of humour, and to be honest, she's actually rather kind of glad of it, 
as it was helping keep her mind off the things outside their little armoured van. Mazashi could give as good as she got when she was re- when she was ready for it. Yeah, I know the type. They're similar to the ones where if you angle the rear view mirror just right, you get a rather nice view of a human manning the turret. Hey, is there something following us? She said, exclaiming at the end, and Picasso snapped around with his smart gun and panned it back and forth, sweeping his motion tracker too. Where? I don't see anything, he asked, sounding confused. Zachi grinned to herself as she watched his rear end packed into that flexible armour swaying back and forth. Boy, she really bet he had buns of steel under that metal. False alarm. Must have been the wind. But on a prettier note, I now know why they call it a tail gunner, she said, grinning to herself. Picasso suddenly clicked onto what had just been done to him and he laughed. Now she was coming out of her shell, Doc nearly was as bad as Spike for jokes. Just as well she was cute. Very funny, Doc. Very funny. You ever hear the story of the little Scalathor cried wolf? He asked. Zachi looked up at him thoughtfully, despite him not being able to see her. No? Why? What happened to her? She asked curiously. Well, the story goes there was a pretty little Scalathor who had a farm. Now she would get bored at the farm from time to time, so she hit on an idea. She ran into town yelling, Wolf! Wolf! And all the townspeople came running. But there was no wolf. So they all left, unhappy that they'd been tricked. Now the pretty little Scalathor thought this was really funny. So she did it two or three more times. And each time the townspeople came running. But as always, there was no wolf. But then one day, there really was a wolf. So the pretty Scalathor started yelling, Wolf! Wolf! But this time the townspeople had had enough of her games, and no one came. So she was all alone, just her and the big bad wolf, he said. So what happened? Did he eat her? Zachi asked curiously. Well, as it turned out, the big bad wolf actually had a thing for pretty Scalathor girls, and this one was the prettiest one he'd ever seen. So he dragged her back in the house and had his wicked way with her all night long, and the pair lived happily ever after. The end, Picasso said, and out of nowhere, Zachi burst out laughing. She'd been expecting a joke about a different type of eating her, but that kind of caught her off guard a bit and it made her laugh. Ah, so you liked that one, eh? Picasso called down. Yeah, it was a pretty good one, but in reality, if they were on my world, it'd have been the Scalifor girl dragging the big bag wolf off to have her wicked way with him all night long, she said, and Picasso laughed out loud. Sounds like a hell of a place to live, he said, and Zachi's smile and mirth vanished like smoke in the wind as her memories of home came back vividly. Yeah, you could say that, but not in a good way, especially if you're male. There have been a hell of a lot of improvements over the last few years since our run-in with Clan Mason, but it's still not up to scratch with the rest of the galaxy, not by a long shot. Even male tourists have to be careful on my world. There have been abductions of males and other species, which threatened to cause major diplomatic incidents between us and other races. If they were not returned immediately to their loved ones and families, then my race would have to pay major fines and compensation to the families for both emotional and physical distress caused to them. Even now, the practice of trying to buy non-Scalthor males from their families is still going on. Even after the penalty the government set of death to anyone kidnapped any male of any other race. 
The male equality movement has thankfully been making major leaps and bounds to secure equality and freedom. And after what Clan Mason did all those years ago. Jesus. But I don't really believe we're there yet, sadly. She said, sounding very, very sad. Picasso didn't make a joke about this, as he could hear the genuine sadness. It touched him because it really meant that she liked Moodstone. She was one of the good ones. Someone who truly believed in the equality of all sentient life, regardless of gender, race, creed, colour, or any other defining factor. All that was required was that you were living, breathing, and the thinking creature, which included synthetics, because they were independently thinking creatures too. The silence was kind of awkward, and Zarchi felt an instant need to fill it. You know, I visited the Felernis homeworld once, she said. Yeah, I've heard it's actually really beautiful, Picasso replied, glad with a break in silence himself. It's incredible. It's such a place of beautiful tranquillity. They live in such harmony with one another. Truly an incredible place. They have this system that kind of acts like reservations for all the different genus types, so they don't lose their racial identity. But there's no law to prevent any Felenis from having a relationship from any with any other. So it's only that each of the subgenuses are treated equally, so each of them can have their own traditions respected and remembered. But all the major cities are fully integrated. It's a truly amazing system. Plus it works well with all the diverse ecosystem their, plants, their planet has. Like for instance, in the polar regions where you find the white snow tigers and certain snow leopards. In the hotter regions you find panthers and lions. In the jungle you find red tigers and on the plains you find cheetahs. Obviously I'm just generalising here as a whole plethora of subgenus and I'm humanising them so you understand kind of what they look like, she said. Picasso's very thoughtful and then something struck him and he thought about it. But Hey, how come all of their subgenuses have humanised names anyway? How come they call themselves after the earth species of all our big cats? he asked. You know, I wondered this very thing once myself, so I asked the esteemed colleague of mine at the very hospital we were going to. She told me that when the Falernis met humanity and visited your world, they saw utter coincidental similarities between themselves and your big feline species, and that intrigued them. And when they found out the names you had for your big cats, they kind of liked the names better, and thought it would help them to integrate better with humanity if they sort of had human familiarity already in place. So from what I hear, they just adopted the names. Though trying to pronounce the original names in Felenis language is like trying to tie a knot in your shoelaces with your tongue while blindfolded. It's an incredibly hard language. It's more chirps and chitters than anything else, she said, and Picasso nodded and laughed. Yeah, one of the only times I've heard Whisper speak her own language was when me and her were working out on the gym on board our ship. She just pulled off this utterly incredible escape from one of my holes and she did this backflip after running up a wall and flipped over my head. When she landed, she went to run forward and caught her toe on the edge of a power cycle next to the mat. Oh boy, I've never heard anything like it in my life. I don't know how many different names she called that cycle, but none of them sounded good. Kind of sounded like someone caught a cricket, taught a cricket Japanese and then sped it up and threw some Chinese on top of it just to fuck shit up, he said laughing at the memory. Zachi smiled for a moment at the mental image 
but then a flush of something weird ran through her, and it was hot like fire. It took her aback for a moment. Jealousy? She felt jealous of Whisper because she got to train with Picasso on the mats? Suddenly an image flashed into her mind of a hap- like a happy daydream of her dressed in nothing but a dark smile, and him the same, wrestling on the mats of his ship. They rolled around each other trying to pin the other down, trying to lock the other one up. She was getting him all hot and sweaty, and all that wonderful human sweat and skin oils were rubbing off all over her scales, making them shine and smell entirely of him, of his masculine human musk. But her litheness and strength won the day. She was able to flip him over onto his back and pin him down on his back. With his legs wrapped up in hers, his hands pinned above his head, locked in hers at the wrists. Slowly, slowly she lowers her head to the helpless captured human and begins to wind her horn into his hair, pulling his head to hers, pulling his face into line with hers and making it so he can't get away or avoid her eyes or her lips cementing her claim before she just adjusts her hips just a little bit, lifts her tail and lowers slowly, slowly down, down, down. And that's when she hit a car. The loud bang and screech from metal and the parked car hitting the ram scoop on the front of the van was a heavy jolt snapped her out of a happy daydream in an instant and replaced the happy warms with cold fear. Jesus, Doc! Picasso yelled as he was thrown about in the turret. Sorry, it was uh, in the way. At least we now know the ram works, she called back, her voice thick with embarrassment. Boy, she'd been fucking close. One, no more dree dreams until we were parked up and inside the shit, out of this shit storm. Yeah, well, can we try to go around the damn things next time? Not exactly much in the way of seat belts up here. Picasso moaned as he readjusted himself in the turret. Yeah, sorry about that, Zachi said, sounded as embarrassed as she felt. One little daydream and she'd nearly crashed the damn van. But oh boy, what a daydream. She couldn't ever remember having something that intense in her life. Boy, these pretty humans really could bring out the beast in you when you didn't expect it. But now she focused herself and kept her eyes on the road. Thank the great tree the traffic was light. The ram scoop was beautifully simple and brutally efficient thing when it came to the undead. Its wedge shape pushed them off to the side, shoving them away from the vehicle while its razor-sharp edges took off limbs and other parts, crippling the undead if it didn't outright kill them by lopping off heads as they were knocked under it. At first, Zarchi was utterly grossed out by it and nauseated by it. But after about half an hour or so of driving through small crowds and evading large hordes, she was kind of becoming desensitised to it all. She got the feeling that this was what happened to full combat soldiers like Picasso. It was no wonder they had such dark senses of humour. It was obviously a coping mechanism, one that she suddenly had a whole new appreciation for. The level of devastation in the city varied massively from area to area. Some areas looked like they'd been hit by hit by heavy artillery, holes in every available surface, burnt-out vehicles everywhere, and military checkpoints that looked like they'd been run over and st- by a steamroller made of flesh and bone. But others were just utterly pristine, like something had just beamed every single living thing off the face of the planet and left not a single trace of them anywhere. In these areas, there weren't even hordes. 
so it made them both wonder. Where the hell was everyone? The hospital loomed up into view. A huge white building with a giant red cross that ran the entire length of the building from roof to floor from side to side. In the parking lot outside there were a collection of huge military tents as well as a few vehicles all abandoned, including a tank. Zachi pulled the van up in front of the hospital and put it in the car park hidden between the tents so nobody would be able to see it from the streets. Picasso climbed down from the turret and Zachi joined him in the cargo area. Okay, Doc, now remember what I said. Let me lead, you stay close and watch my back. Keep your eyes open and stay as quiet as possible, he said, and she checked her weapon and he checked his. She nodded and Picasso opened the back doors and the pair stepped down onto the ground. After her last hospital, this place felt positively serene. There was obvious evidence of battle damage in the halls, but no bodies. There was blood... And here and there, and barricades as well. But no evidence of any bodies. They moved slowly, with Picasso out in front, holding his large smock on her head. She stuck close to her guardian angel, and now that he was in full battle mode, he was all business. And it was very reassuring. The way he moved just oozed confidence and skill. Every movement was controlled and fluid. Every swing of his gun was preceded with his large... Sharp and watchful eyes. She was extremely glad to have him at her side. There was utterly no way she could have done this on her own. The virology lab is this way, she said in a quiet whisper, pointing with her gun off to their right. Her other hand held a torch that Picasso had told her to keep off his face, as he was using a form of night vision and it would blind him. She nodded and turned in one fluid movement, swinging the long smock on around to cover the corridor. Where the hell is everyone? I really don't like this. We haven't seen a single person living or dead since we got here, he said slowly in a quiet voice. Personally, I'm grateful, Sarge said, and Picasso nodded. Oh, I hear you, but it's making me creeped out. At least when you can see the fuckers, you know where they are and can go around them or shoot through them. This not knowing is killing me, he said as he stepped down the corridor, watching his motion sensors. Other than he and Zarchi, he had absolutely nothing moving. The virology lab itself was completely intact. There wasn't a single sign of damage anywhere, but it had been abandoned in a real hurry. That's when a bleep lit up on Picasso's scanner. He instantly balled up a fist and held it up above his shoulder for Zarchi to see. She froze solid, her eyes locked onto him for instruction. He moved in a slow, deliberate movements heading across the lab towards a cold storage area at the rear, with its heavy airbrushed metal doors. He pointed to the right-hand door of the two, and indicated the handle. Zachi nodded, getting his meaning. He stepped up into the side while he faced the door, head-on with his hands and his weapon. He glanced at her, a look of steely determination on his face, and then nodded. The door swung open with a hiss of released air, Picasso moved forward in a rush, swinging the smart gun with him. No! Please, don't shoot me! A young voice yelled, and as Zachi stepped into the fridge, he saw a small figure that Picasso had his gun trained on, and his mouth fell open. Oh, wow! A draconis! You're actually a draconis! She exclaimed, looking at the figure, huddled in the corner, trying to shield herself with its white wings. Yeah, thanks for pointing out the obvious. 
Now, um, can you stop pointing that cannon at me? The figure said, lifting up its white-scaled head to reveal a truly breathtaking draconis female. She had scales as white as fresh snow, and a set of ruby-red eyes with huge vertical slit pupils. Two luxurious curved black horns that ran from the top of her head over the back of her neck. A small feminine snout and a long slender neck. She was dressed in what appeared to be a police uniform. Or at least that's what Zachi saw after she unfurled her wings from around herself and stood up. Corporal Picasso, Spirit Team 6. And this here is Dr. Zachi Twisthorn. And you are... Picasso said, lowering his weapon, and looked at her in surprised awe. Shay, Shay Snowscale, Officer Shay Snowscale of the New Britannia PD, Sector 4. Or at least I'd rather I was, until all this shit happened, she said bitterly. Then she turned her attention to Picasso and looked him up and down. Zachi swore she saw her approving smirk cross over her mouth. So are you the rescue team? she asked. Yep, that would be us. Um, don't take this the wrong way, but what the hell are you doing in here? Picasso asked. Taking my leave days, what the hell do you think I'm doing? I got locked in when the damn door closed behind me while I was searching in here for medical supplies for my camp. We got two pregnant women and twenty people. I've been locked in here for a day and a half, she said, sounding utterly annoyed with herself. Rather than take the piss out of her, Picasso latched onto the intel about her camp. You have a camp of survivors? He asked and she nodded. Yeah, I just said that. You deaf or something? Four of us came in here looking for medical supplies. The others obviously left by now, she said bitterly and Picasso looked annoyed at the hostility. Hey, what's with the aggression? We're here trying to help people like you. You see any other people pod dropping into a hostile zone filled with the undead to help people? He said glaring her down. Shade looked at him in utter surprise at the aggression in his voice, then looked kind of embarrassed and downcast. Sorry, I don't mean to be a tailhole, but I'm cold as hell, and I get really grumpy when I'm cold. I apologise. That was really unprofessional, she said. Picasso nodded in understanding. All right, let's get you out of here so we can warm you up while we do our thing. We have a vehicle and you can get into the back get you back to your camp. Then we can mark your location for retrieval as soon as we can get the air defences offline, Picasso said, and now she looked hopeful and thankful. For real? You're going to get us out of here? She said. Picasso nodded. Well, yeah, that's the plan. First, we're picking up some medical supplies for the dock here to be able to get her pretty tailing gear and study this thing. Hopefully, either develop a cure or possibly a vaccine. Well, just a good way of fighting it off would work. But for that, she needs equipment. More accurately, she needs equipment like this, here in the virology lab. In fact, you being here is most fortuitous. This means you can help us carry some of the stuff out. Then we'll help you get anything you need and give give you a lift back to your camp. Sound good? He said. She looked thoughtful and stuck out her hand. You got yourself a deal, human boy. She said, smiling, and Picasso raised an eyebrow, but then took her hand and shook it all the same. All right, good. Well then, let's get to work, shall we? He said, gesturing to the lab beyond the freezers. She nodded and walked past him. As she did, Picasso glanced at Jarchi, who was sharing the same look as him. 
There was just something about her she didn't like, and it was way beyond the exotic good looks. She was about five foot five tall, slender but solidly built, graceful without even trying to be. When she walked, her long white tail just seemed to shimmy and sway with the roll of her hips, but her main defining feature were her large white wings. It was the major thing that set her conus apart from the scalathor, though technically the two were the same species. They were just one and the same. They were just kind of like a lion and a tiger. Both big cats, but two vastly different genus from one another. I've never seen a Draconis up close before, Picasso said softly to Zarchi as they worked on collecting the gear that Zarchi needed. She pointed the stuff out, and the three of them carried it to the entrance of the hospital, ready to be loaded into the van. Currently, Shay had just left a case of growth medium and a load of petri dishes there. They're basically scalathor with wings. Our races evolved on the same planet. In fact, we were one race, all one race once, but at some point our evolution we split up. They developed wings to adapt to the high mountains and highlands that they chose to live in, and we developed the ability to breathe both air and water to adapt to our swamp-like homelands she said in a very matter-of-fact voice. Picasso looked surprised at this little nugget of information. Zachi felt a whole barrage of Cronus-based questions coming. And why wouldn't he? Look at her. She was like silk compared to her. Sandpaper to her sandpaper. Soft-looking snow-white scales. Incredibly feminine features. And two black horns. A tail to die for and bloody wings. How could a regular Scalathor hope to compete to compared to her? You can breathe under water? That's freaking cool, he said, and Zachi felt herself surprised again. She looked at him in confusion. Um, yeah, not exactly useful in a place like this, but yeah, we have gills under our throat scales, she said. Woodstone's never mentioned that before, and yeah, I think a million planets with that ability would definitely come in seriously handy. He said, helping her hoist up the rather large microscopic scanner. Well, it's not something that really comes up in conversation, really. Well, unless that conversation happens to be, what is the difference between Draconis and Scalathor, anyway? Zachi said, and Picasso snorted a laugh. Fair point, he said, and she noticed him glancing at the motion scanner again, as she knew his helmet contained from time to time as he walked backwards carrying the scanner. In fact, our societies are almost perfect parallels of one another. Only difference is between us, the topography. Well, and the wings, really. When we developed space travel, their entire culture just left our home world for another one that suited them better. Oh, that and their females are even more aggressive than mine, she said. Yeah, I kind of noticed that. Grumpy as fuck, isn't she? Picasso said, and Zachi laughed softly and shook her head. Um, I didn't mean that kind of aggression. I meant sexually aggressive. My kind of bad. Hers are worse. Probably because the males can fly away. I guess. It used to be a standing joke that a scal- as a Scalthor male, if a female Draconis took a liking to you and you didn't like her back, you might as well give up your lungs because there was no way you were breathing air again because you'd only be safe from her underwater. They're kind of what you'd call real persistent. She said. Picasso snorted a laugh. Can she breathe fire? He asked, and now Zarchi laughed and shook her head. Nope, no fire. 
Just fiery temper and hot air, she said, and he nodded. Good to know. So, how come they're so rare, then? He asked. Because they're people of xenophobes, for the most part. Most of the women on their world think that they, like us, let our males leave their home world. They'd be snapped up by all the other races, and there'd be none left for them. It's selfish, narrow-minded, and pathetic. That, she said with obvious bitterness in her voice. You sound like you don't like her kind very much, Picasso said, and Zachi sighed heavily. There's a lot of bad blood between our kinds. I mean, I cannot say that I've got a personal problem with the Draconis, as I've never met one before, just like you. But I know our history, and obviously I don't know how much of it's coloured by bias, but there's a lot of documented instances between Vilas between us. So yeah, it carries some issues, she said. A bleep on Picasso's scanner signalled a return and he gestured with his head to tell Zarchi to be quiet. And she nodded just as she came back in. Boy, it feels good to be warm again, she said, stretching both her limbs, tail and wings out, causing them to flare out. I'm amazed he managed to survive for a day and a half locked in that freezer, Picasso said and she gave him a sly smile. Well, they do say that we Dracornis have fire in our blood. She said in a rather sultry-sounding voice that set everyone of Zarchi's scales on edge. Oh, shit. She liked him. This was bad. Really fucking bad. Seriously? Picasso said, raising an eyebrow and then put the scanner down. Then Shay snorted out a laugh and punched him on the arm. Now nah, I'm just yanking your tail, soldier boy. My homeworld is cold. So we're much better at handling it than our swamp-dwelling sisters are, she said, shooting a smile at Zarchi that made her scales bristle again. She'd known him all of five bloody seconds and she was already flirting with him. She didn't even know what he looked like without the helmet on. Next thing she'd be trying to pin him down and wind those bloody horns in his hair. Bloody tail-lifting draconis hussy. Huh, makes sense, I guess. Same reason that your tail is thinner than Zarchi's, I guess. Yours is developed for flying while hers is developed for swimming, he said thoughtfully and rather observantly. Zachi actually found herself impressed at this, and so did Shay, whose eyes widened in surprise. Exactly right. It seems you're a rarity around here, a human with an eye for a good reptile when he sees one, Shay said. It definitely seemed she, warming her up had done her temper a world of good. Picasso nodded. Yeah, I do like a girl with a nice, strong, wide, cute tail, especially when it comes in blue. Blue's my favourite colour, Picasso said, making Shay's smile vanish and shoot a glance at Zarchi, who was now smiling all over her face, like she'd just found a garlic steak on her breakfast plate. Picasso had noticed something of an unspoken rivalry developing between these two, and he decided to shoot it down quick before it became a problem. The last thing he needed was two scaly girls fighting over whatever the hell it was that got their tails in a twist. As cool as it was to imagine them both naked and horn wrestling in a vat of cherry sauce, he couldn't exactly see that happening, so he decided to cut the sniping short. Plus, it was true, he did like a wide tail, though only since he'd met Zachi. Though it was kind of odd, really, as she didn't have a really wide bum. In fact, she had a small and incredibly cute bum tucked under a wide spiny tail. Her tail kind of reminded him of that of an alligator's tail with its fin-like spines. Plus, it was rich blue colour. And a, another technical truth, 
Blue was indeed his favourite colour. Jay just snorted and the smile broke back out on her face. You know what, human? You're all right. So many of your kind seriously don't know how to take a joke. And your males get all freaked out the second they see a female who has the slightest hint of independent strength. It's nice to see at least some of you can hold your own. Think I'm going to like you, she said with a grin that made Zarchi's scale bristle with jealousy. Picasso smiled and nodded. Well, can't compare you to any other Draconis, as you're the first I've ever seen. Glad to see that at least some of you decided to go and see the universe in all its diversity and splendour. He said, and her smile actually widened pleasantly and warmly. Why, thank you. That's really nice of you, she said. All right, let's get the rest of the gear and get out of here. I don't really like hanging about in the open like this, Picasso said, and both of them nodded in agreement. It took him another twenty minutes to get everything packed up. All right, is this the last of it? Picasso said, pointing to the last six cases, and Zarchi checked her list. Yep, that's everything. Plus what we need for the survivors. I want to do one last check to see if there's any other drugs that were hanging about we could snag. But other than that, we're all good, she said, and he nodded. Hoisting his smart gun into its locked-up position, he lifted two of the black carry cases. All right, I'll run these out. Shay, you mind helping the dock and don't take too long, all right? He said Shay nodded as he finished packing up the various kit into her personal bag. Picasso turned and headed for the door. Spirit team, huh? Never heard of them. She said, glancing at Zarchi. I think that's the point. They're a spec ox team. High-end special forces made up of all races. I've met their whole team and they're quite a bunch, she replied. Are you the only human on the team? She asked and Zarchi shook her head. Nope, there's five humans, one Yejuta, one Scalathor and a Phalanis. They're quite a team too. Picasso is... One of his colleagues, a human female called Ice, pulled me out of another hospital on the other side of the city after I barricaded myself in the labs there while I was trying to work on this thing, Zachi replied. I gotta say, sure is an interesting one. Never met a human who doesn't seem to have anything to prove before. I'm the only Draconis on this on the force, and I'm surrounded by them all day long. But they all, all seem to have this machuism bullshit going on like every one of them has to prove just how much of an alpha male they are. And fuck, does it annoy me most of the time. I mean, yeah, it's like quite the exact opposite of home, but which is exactly what I wanted, but it's like, guys, just settle down, you know? She said, and Zarchi laughed and nodded. Believe it or not, it's quite the same in the medical profession. A lot of the male doctors strut around like, what are those earth birds with the bright feathers on their tits? Ah, oh, peacocks, yes, peacocks. Utterly convinced that they're all knowing and all seeing. He used to make me laugh, she said, and she laughed and nodded. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I just keep thinking to myself, God, if you took a trip to my home world, you'd wind up like a sobbing wreck in five seconds flat. Or be clinging on to the landing gear of the ship that dropped you there as soon as you saw what a real woman can do, she said, and Zarchi snorted a laugh. But I gotta give them credit. They definitely do have some things right. I do like the way the good ones treat their females. There's a Yejuda girl in our precinct, and she's mated to a human guy. And she's what he, what she calls a romantic. Every single day he finds new ways to show her that he loves her. I mean, all sorts of things, too. One day she came in and found that he had custom-made set of boots made for her, because of how long she's on her feet every day. He'd apparently seen what the standard-issue 
boots were doing to her feet and went out of his way to find some for her. And that was just one thing. I remember asking her how bad she had to scare him into doing something like that for her. She just laughed, looked at me and shook her head. Said he just did it because he loves her. She said the disbelief in her voice was obvious. That's what human love is. Why do you think so many of our males left when they had the chance? Zaji said and shook her, laughed and shook her head. Your male sister, not ours. Woman on our planet have them locked down tight. I mean, yeah, one or two have managed to escape, but it's bad there now, she said, and Zachi had a f- felt a great sadness filling her heart. They don't deserve that. They deserve to be happy, just like us. They get treated like slaves, beaten, raped, tormented and belittled, stolen from their families, and we wonder why it is they want to leave us. Zachi said darkly, and Zachi actually nodded in agreement. Yeah, I kind of figured that shit out soon after I got here. I mean, I was just a little draconis, far from home, all filled with piss and vinegar, being so far away from home in the wide, wild universe, on a human world, filled with all these new ideas and things. So there I was in a bar, and I am get to thinking... Hey, I'm in a new place. I'm going to sample me some of the local delicacies. Start scouting in the bar for a male I like the look of. Spot this guy sat in the corner chatting to a human female. Thought to myself, ah, she ain't nothing. I could easily take her. So I saunter over to the table, point at the male and say, You, come with me. Then I look at the female and said, I'm taking your male. If he behaves himself and does as he's told, I'll return him to you tomorrow in the same condition as he is now. I've never seen a male look so appalled in his life. He just looked at me like I'd gone crazy. And the female jumps up and says, Touch my husband and I'll tear those horns of yours off and feed them to you. So yeah, turns out she was some kind of martial artist. When I went to reach for the male, she bounced my head off the table. And when I woke up in the hospital, the nurse told me I got off lightly, apparently. Apparently the guy himself I tried to take was a praised cage fighter. And he'd have messed me up better than his wife did if I had actually managed to touch him. Shay said and Zachi snorted a laugh. Shay shot her in an irritated glance. I'm sorry, but I have to say serves you fucking right. You're lucky they didn't try to have you done for attempted sexual assault or rape. She said and Shay nodded and after letting out a breath. Yeah, that's also what the nurse told me. She was a Scalthor too. She gave me a book all about humans and told me to read it if I wanted to remain outside of a jail cell on this world. She said, this is not home. Treat it like it is and you won't last five seconds here. Humans and other races do not tolerate that shit for one second. So, I read the book and I just felt like my mind had been blown to pieces. I mean, yeah, technically the book was an interspecies dating guide. But I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I just couldn't believe that we had it all so bloody wrong. Suddenly thinking of home, the way we treat our males made me sick. That was ten years ago. I'm still single, but now at least I've got my pride and my dignity, knowing I'm different, and now that I'm the one enforcing the laws. You wouldn't believe how many of our kind I pick up for the very same shit that I pulled, she said. Oh, I would. Trust me, I would. Archie said, nodding. So, um, hey, question. Picasso seems like a good, open-minded human. 
and he definitely seems to appreciate a good reptilian girl. And you would not believe how fucking rare that is. Ten bloody years, other than the odd drunken dalliance in a bar with a human with bloody thick beer goggles on, who turns out just to be a fucking ninja the next day when I wake up and find them fucking gone. I'm no closer to finding out what that book was all about. Plus, from what I can see through that helmet of his, hot damn he's a pretty one, isn't he? Doesn't seem too much like that, unclaimed already. Want, you know, a massive peacocking tail hole. So yeah, is he, um, single? Shay asked, as Archie felt a cold sliver of ice run down her spines. Followed by a hot rush of anger. She picked up her cases and swished her tail angrily. Not if I have a say in it, she half quietly, but Shay heard her and a look of surprise turned into a dark smile. I see. Well, okay then, sister. May the best human hunter win. You just got yourself a rival. Ha, just like the tales of old. Draconis versus Scalathor once more, she said with a confident grin. Then with a swish of a long, white, luscious-looking tail, she was off. The pair of them headed for the exit, carrying the last of their gear. Picasso was waiting near the vehicle, scanning the car park. His body language was tense, and they could both see him spinning on the spot like he was trying to get a fix on something. As they got closer, they heard him speaking on the radio. Picasso to Queen B. Need an aerial sweep in my area, or a satellite image? Got a real bad feeling that something down here ain't right. Tell me what you get. Over, he said. She looked at Zarchi questioningly. Spirit ship in orbit. Can't land to extract anyone because of the air defences which shoot it out of the sky. So they came down in drop pods, Zarchi said. Suddenly Picasso went tense and spun on the spot looking off towards the city itself. Say again, how many do you count? He said, then spun towards the girls. Roger that, we're on the move, track them for me. Queen Bee, Picasso out. He said, and grabbed the bags and slung them at the back of the truck. What's wrong, Picasso? Zachi exclaimed, feeling rather fearful now. We gotta go, like right fucking now, he exclaimed. What's going on? She asked, her hand going to her holster automatically. We've got three gang vehicles incoming fast, heading right for us. Can't confirm it's the West Side boys yet, but it's not exactly friendly, whoever it is, Picasso said. Why do you say that? Zachi exclaimed as he rather quickly turned and bundled her into the truck, followed by Shay, before slamming the door shut and bolt-locking them and taking his position up in the turret. Shay, you drive. You're a cop, so you'll have advanced driver training. And you know where we're going? Get us to your camp, most ricky-fucking-tick. If they pick us up, I'll keep the fuckers off us. Hopefully it's only the three, as I really don't want to have to be having a rolling firefight right through the centre of dead town, Picasso said. Picasso, answer me, Zachi yelled as she jumped into the passenger seat and Shay took the driver's seat and started the engine. Because Queen Bee got quite a good look at the vehicles heading for us, and they appeared to have bodies strapped to the outside. It's unknown if they're alive or dead at this time. All we know is that bodies appear to be moving. So it's either camo or bait. And I really don't like the idea of either. So not hanging around to, to find out seems like a plan of the hour to me. Picasso said in a quiet voice as Shay backed them out. Zarchi's heart froze and her stomach clenched into a sickly knot. Oh, she said quietly. Yes, that was chapter 24, ladies and gentlemen. Will they escape? Will they make it back to the camp? 
or will the West Side boys run them down? Only going to be one way to find out the answers to those questions. Going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time.